So last week I began a message series called Deeply Rooted. It's a call to prayer. This, this is the foundation of the faith. You know, if, if we say that we are believers, uh, we enter into relationship with God. You know, it's in John 1, 12 that John writes, Yet to all who received him, the Lord Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he, he gave the right to become the children of God. And as the children of God, I hope any of you who are parents, you like when your children talk to you. It feels uncomfortable if your kids are not going to talk to you, if you're estranged. And some of us might even be in that space. I hope you enjoy talking to your parents. When my mom was living, I was, she lived in Jamaica. I was on FaceTime with her daily. I enjoy talking with her. And prayer is, it's talking to God. And so uh, over these next several weeks, uh, we're going to be talking more about what is prayer? What does it look like for us to pray? Last week, we began the the series, and I I just wanted to use that as a launch for us to have the the attitude that Jesus' disciples had when they saw him praying. And in Luke 11, it it says that after watching him pray, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And if we belong to Jesus, that should be our heart, teach me to pray. And I was sharing with you last week that even after, you know, 30 plus years of walking with the Lord, that my sabbatical that I just came off of about a month ago, that two months where I had some very intentional, sweet time with the Lord, had me walking away going, Lord, I think I'm learning to pray. <laughs> I feel like I'm just tasting the beauty of this. And, and what that says to me is that, yeah, I know prayer, and I've had a pattern of prayer, and I'm pretty ordered with, with all of that. But, but if, if I'm just tasting it, how much more is there? So I, 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 we as believers never should get to the place where we say, okay, I've got this prayer thing down. Don't need to learn to pray anymore. There's always more. And so this morning... Um, I want to go to a very familiar passage that um, even if you uh, have not been in church for a long time, maybe you're still just exploring what it even means to to be a follower of Jesus. And by the way, if that's you, we welcome you here. That was my own story. And this is that kind of place you can come and you can ask questions. But you're probably familiar with what's called the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and I'm going to teach on that passage today. I've taught on it many times. Uh, Jesus probably taught on it many times. We, we, we see in Luke 11, he teaches on it. And it's one context. And in, in Matthew 6, we're going to look at today, he teaches again. Uh, but I, I want to invite us to enter into today's teaching with an openness. To say, God, is there something more that you want to teach me? I, I might think that I know this passage, but is there something that you want to open my heart towards that would cause me to say, I want to seek you all the more in prayer? So, uh, you know, we have a pattern here in this church where we read God's word before the, the, uh, the preaching of his word, and typically I'll have someone do that or I'll do that. But I'm going to ask as we stand together to read that we will all read in unison the Lord's Prayer. I'm reading from Matthew 6. It will be on the screen. If you could just read with me, Matthew 6, beginning at verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Word of the Lord. God, we are grateful to you for your word. I pray today uh, that as I speak on this very familiar passage, Lord God, that we would be rejuvenated in our spirits. That Holy Spirit, you would speak through this earthen vessel and God, your people would be encouraged. Oh Lord, that we would know that you are a father who loves us, who desires us to bring every need we have to you. We pray this, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I'm calling the the message today, Praying for Our Needs. I I don't know about you, but oftentimes, you know, I have, you know, a a little something going on in my life, and I say, you know, I I don't want to bother God with that. He's got bigger things to deal with. I, I think that's not uncommon for us. I've heard that in many, many times in my pastoral ministry. Well, you know, my, my issue is not so big. You know, other people have, you know, health issues. They've got financial issues. I don't have that much going on. I'm working in my home right now. My home is an absolute mess. It's all tore up and I'm putting down some new flooring. And I took a knife and I was slicing through some plastic. Yes, and I, and I, and I cut my finger. And I was just like, oh, you know. Is that something that you bring to God? Lord, heal my finger. <laughs> you, you know, it, it might seem small, but, I, but I, I, I want to say to us that no matter how small it may seem or how big it may seem, that we bring our needs to God. We bring our needs to God. You know, there was, uh, I mentioned last week in, in Luke 11 where Jesus was at a certain place and his disciples saw him preaching. And they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he, he gave them what we call the Lord's Prayer. And, and it's interesting because in, in that context, when he was teaching them on this, he said, when you pray, say. He said, say this. And so people have often asked, you know, the Lord's Prayer, is it, is it a model for prayer or do we just say the prayer, you know? And, you know, for some of us, you know, you may have come out of a church context where every Sunday the Lord's Prayer was said and maybe became a little rote to you. And so the question, do we say the Lord's Prayer or do we, or is it just a model? The answer is yes. Both. It's, it's fine to repeat the prayer as is. That's what he says in Luke chapter 11. And here in, in Matthew 6, he's teaching uh, uh, on ethical teachings. He's, he's, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. He, he's, he's describing to them again, uh, and now he says a model for prayer. He says this then is how you should pray. So it's fine to repeat those words. I have many prayers that I pray out loud that are written prayers, and it's, it's fine to do that. But there's also a, a model he's given to us in what we call the Lord's Prayer. So evidently, Jesus spoke on this on more than one occasion. Uh, every preacher does that. I, I, have, I have taught on this passage I'm going to teach on today. Uh, I, I, I probably will again at some point. Uh, so, so you may have heard teaching on this, and it may not seem new to you. But again, as I said just a moment ago, I ask that you would 
approach this with an openness to what God has for you. So he says here, first of all, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. There are many words in, that we translate in scripture that are sometimes uh, a little unusual. Words that we don't use in everyday language like hallowed. Um, when was the last time any of you said hallowed? Apart from reading the Lord's Prayer. It's, it's, not, it's not an everyday word, right? But it, it, essentially what it means is to, to revere as holy. In, in other words, what we're saying is that when we come to, to God, we recognize his beauty, his glory, the things that make him unique. What, what he is saying to us essentially is that when we... Enter into the prayer. I've got my needs. I want to bring these to you. But this is where I begin. I begin with worship. I start acknowledging God as who he is. And, and, and as a model. No, I could stop right there. I could keep going. Because he says again in Luke 11, say these words. I could go right into it. But if I'm using this as my model for prayer, I'm going to be bringing him my needs. I want to pause here for a moment and just begin acknowledging the God for whom I am entering into his presence. I want to recognize that he is bigger than my problems. And I've got problems and you've got problems. And some of them may seem overwhelming. And no matter what you're going through right now, and I know some of your stories and some of you are going through some things that are extremely difficult, that feel like I can't do this. God is bigger than your problems. He's bigger. And worship Helps us to posture ourselves now to receive what he has for us. It, it helps me to lessen my doubts. It helps me to recognize that, that the same God that with a breath brought everything into existence. The same God who raised his son from the dead three days after he was crucified. That same God who raised Lazarus from the That same God is bigger than your financial need, your, your health need, your relational need. He's bigger than all of that. And, and so I urge you as you consider your own needs and, and your learning, like the disciples, how to pray, not to rush through worship, just to pause and just to take that time. My, my own pattern is each day, uh, I, I, again, I, I try to order my prayers because I know that in my fallen state, if I don't do that, I'm not going to pray like I ought to. So every day I have promptings that say to me, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. And I just... Go to go to the, the Psalms. If you if you're, tr you're trying, if you're having trouble finding, okay, God, I don't have the words. I I, I don't know how to worship you. I, I don't know what to say. Use the Psalms as a model. Use them as, as as language to help you to worship. I believe that's why God gave us those Psalms. He gave them to us that when I don't know what to do, when I'm feeling helpless, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I can go, oh, here's some words. I praise you, Lord, God of creation, King of glory. I worship you, God, who spoke and created all things. You are King of creation. You are marvelous. You are glorious in all of your ways. And again, this is language that we don't use in everyday speech. But God gave that to you and to me that we would learn to worship. To look up 
And know that he's on your side, that he's true, that there's nothing you can do to separate you from his love, that his love for you is infinite. We got to say those things out loud, amen? We got to worship him. We got to be bold to worship him and not even take ourselves from that space until we're confident that we're in front of the God of all creation. So I'm speaking to you right now and I want to speak God's word to you. And, and I, I, I'm oftentimes reminding myself when I'm preaching, when I'm teaching, when, when, I, when I'm praying on my own, to pause and go, God, you're here. Do you know God is here right now? Do you, do you know he's right beside you? Right? He's in this room. And he smiles on you. And he loves you. And he beckons you to join him. And there's something that when we just gain that awareness... That just causes us to worship. <laughs> if you're having time, having a hard time worshiping, I would I would just put it to you: Are you aware of His presence? I don't know a time where I've not really sensed the fullness of the presence of God that I can't I can't help but worship. I can remember early on in my Christian journey, coming before the Lord, and. I'm so overwhelmed by the presence of God that I had to ask him to back off. Because I thought, seriously, <laughs> I thought my heart was going to burst. And it was a reminder to me that I need a glorified body because if I, if I was to see him face to face, this body couldn't handle it. But he wants you to taste right now and see that he's good. To taste a taste. And so we start, we begin with worship. We begin with worship. It puts everything else in right perspective. He then says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What what is he talking about? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't God's will always done? If he's a sovereign God, isn't his will done on earth as well? Can anything thwart the will of God? Well, well, when we speak of God's will, we got to understand that there are distinctives. There is what we call his perfect will, that nothing can change, that this is what he desires. We call this his perfect will. It is his perfect will, his will that all should be saved and come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's his perfect will. Do all people come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? Is there evil in this world? Is there, is, then, then, Lord, your will is not being done. What, what's the deal? You see, there's, again, his perfect will, and there, there's what we call his permissive will, the things he permits. It's not his desire, but he's, he has given you and me free will that we can choose. He's not, he's not making us do anything. And so when we pray, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're asking God, may your perfect will come. May your perfect will come. So, so as we enter into prayer and we're, we're bringing needs to him, we start with saying, I'm going to worship you, God, but I'm going to seek your will first. Because sometimes I think I have needs and I want things to happen a certain way. And God says, I've got something better for you. I want, I, I, I want the things that are happening in the heavenlies right now in your life. That God is, from our perspective, just taking way too long. 
It just seems like, God, you're, you're slow. But remember, you know, a, a, a day is like a thousand years to God, a thousand years like a day. God is not bound by space and time. God is working in your life good. If you belong to him, he says all things work together for good for those who love him, who are called according to his purposes. He's working good. It may happen instantaneously from time to time, you know, miraculously. You know, I'm looking for a healing, and boom, it happens in a moment, or it may happen over time. Anybody here dealing with some physical ailment in your life? Or, or, or somebody you know? Yeah, so, so, some of us are. I am. I'm seeing a doctor on, on Thursday. I got some shoulder issues going on. And I would love for it to be gone right now. It keeps me up at night. I can't sleep at night. I'm waking constantly through the night, and I want it to be gone. But I've been through enough pain in my body in the past, way beyond this, way, way beyond this, to know that I can look back with the Spirit's eyes and know God was using it to, to soften my heart, to, to, to conform me to lightness of Jesus, to give me empathy for others who are going through, so that when I, when I uh, am crying out to the, the God and Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, He then comforts me in all my troubles so that I can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort I have received from God. He's doing all kinds of things that we don't see. So I ask God, your will be done, because I trust you, God. I've already been worshiping you. I know you're a good God. So I ask your will be done. God, I need some provision. I, I need a job. I need, I, we're asking for that. And it's not like God is looking at you saying, nope, 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 no, I don't want to give you anything good. No, God is a good God, and he's working all things for good. He is. And sometimes it don't feel so good. You know, it feels uncomfortable. But again, as I am preparing to bring my needs to him, I've worshipped him, and I know I am convinced you are a good God. I've seen you do good God. I know you're not going to stop. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. So God, in light of that, your will be done. I applied for this job. It didn't happen. God said, I got something best for you. Don't worry. It's coming. It's coming. Your will be done, Lord. Your will be done. That's essential, I think, for the next step. Because, uh, again, we started off saying sometimes we don't want to bring our needs because we think it's too small or too big. or whatever. No. God is a good God. Jesus says we can call him Abba, Father. He like, it's like Daddy or Papa. This is the kind of relationship God invites us to enter into. And so he then says, give us today our daily bread. I think this is one where most of us in North America, USA, most of us can't really relate to this. There are some of us who know what this means, but most of us, we anticipate, I'm going to at least have bread. I'm going to have some food. I'm going to eat today. I know there are several people in, the, in our country who are wondering where the next meal will come from. But for most of us, that's not something we think about a lot. We, we anticipate we're going to eat a meal today. We're, we're, some of you are already saying, well, what's for lunch? You know? <laughs> some of us maybe have something slow cooking and dinner is on its way. So, so giving, this is a prayer that's sometimes hard for us. But, but, but the application is not simply give me bread. But it is. So, so what are you saying? Something as basic as bread, ask God for it. Know, know that he is ultimately our provider. Everything that you have comes from the 
Heavenly Father who does not change like the shifting shadows. Every good thing you have, God has given to you. Your life, your breath, your family, every good thing that you have, God has given to you. So, so there's a humility that says, give me my daily bread, Lord. And what that tells me is that I can bring that little cut that I got on my finger yesterday, I can bring that to God too. God, it hurts. Could you heal it up for me, please? And it also means that when I am in the place where I'm facing life-threatening illness or somebody close to me is, or it seems like I just don't have the resources to pay the next bill. Anybody been there? I've been there. I know what that feels like. But I can say, God, I need you. I bring this to you. Do not allow the enemy to deceive you into thinking that your need, the thing that you're asking for, isn't worthy of the Heavenly Father saying, bring it. Bring it, no matter what it is. He delights in the Parents, again, do you like when your kids say, Dad, Mom, could I have such and such? Well, sometimes it can get annoying, right? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying, though? It's all, it's all part of our relationship. God says, bring it. Don't hesitate in bringing it. So, so come boldly with your needs. There's a passage out of Hebrews 4 that I, I'm always drawn to. It, it reminds us again that you know, the right of Hebrews is, is speaking of Jesus who, who comes in the order of Melchizedek. Look it up, okay? I, I'm not going to go too deep into that. But he is our great high priest. And he's ascended to heaven. Jesus came. He, he, the, the second person of the God ahead came into space and time, came as a human being, lived, died, was resurrected. He's ascended into heaven. And it says, let's, let us hold firmly to this faith. Let's hold firmly to it. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. So when you think you're going through, I say, oh, God doesn't know what I'm going through. You know, he was fully human and he knows your pain. He knows your sadness. He knows that sense of rejection. He knows that sense of, of loneliness. He knows every emotion that you have been through. He knows it. He's not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he didn't sin. And then verse 16, this is Hebrews 4, 16. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When is our time of need? <laughs> Always. So no matter what you have, come boldly. Say, God, this is my need. And, and again, I just love how he's giving us this model. He says, start with worship. Just look, look up. Know there's a God who can meet your needs. He, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And God, I need a cow. You got it. Right? God, your will be done. He'll make a way. His way. Trust him. And so bring it. Bring it. Now, now what, we're, what we're doing through this series, we're learning to pray. Okay? So, so prayer is not... That sort of heavenly slot machine, put in my coin, here, here, do these three things, boom, here's the answer. Okay, they're principles of prayer. There are conditions to prayer. God's love for you is unconditional, but prayer does have conditions. 
And, and so listen carefully to what he says next, because this is, this is crucial to the Christian journey. This is crucial. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Uh, Luke uses the language sins. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven our, our, our sins. And he, you'll see as we go into this, that that's essentially what he's referring to. You know, debt is what I owe. You know, it's, and somebody is wronged. He says, you forgive. It's essential that as I come to God with my needs, that I'm keeping my heart pure. That I'm purifying my heart. That, 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 that I'm not uh, assuming that I can behave any way I want to behave and anticipate God responding and say, sure, sure, sure. When your kids, again, are, are, are rude and disrespectful, and then they say, mom, dad, could I have? I said, you said, uh-uh, uh-uh. Not, not with that, baby. You get yourself right first. Right, So we keep our hearts pure. And this issue of forgiveness is essential to the Christian life. Because you know something? If you've said yes to Jesus, you know what he's done for you? He's forgiven you. He's removed your sins as far as the east is from the west. There's a, a parable that Jesus teaches from Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. I'd encourage you slowly read through it this week and, and, and meditate on what it's saying. It's called the parable of the unforgiving servant. And as some of you know the story. There's a servant who uh, is, is owed, uh, he owes his master, you know, what basically would be described as 10 lifetimes worth of, of, of money. He, it's, it's impossible for him to pay it back. And his master says, hey, I wipe it away. It's done. You, you don't even worry about it. And then there's another servant that comes to this ser servant, and, and he owes him a chunk of change. It's, it's the equivalent of maybe three months' salary. And he does not forgive him. And it goes on to say that he calls him a wicked and an ungrateful servant, and, and he casts him out. And, but but, but the, the moral of the story, of the parable is, we owe God much more than anybody could ever owe us. Our sins against a holy and perfect God are so infinite compared to that person who may genuinely have wronged you significantly. I'm not taking away from that. But he's saying if you've been removed, if your sins have been completely wiped away like this, you can't withhold forgiveness either. You know, this, as a matter of fact, is the only point in the Lord's Prayer where Jesus then, after what we call the Lord's Prayer, adds some commentary. L listen to what he says here. This, we're jumping down to verse 14 now. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive them their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I don't know about you, but that, that's a little scary to me. You know, listen to, again to what, what he says in terms of the prayer. He says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. I'm not going to forgive you, so I want you, God, to forgive me just like I'm not forgiving this person. That's, that's essentially what he's saying, right? There's somebody under the sound of my voice right now, maybe watching online. You've been 
deeply wounded by another person. Perhaps in ways that are unspeakable. And there are those who are close to me, very, very dear to me, who have been wounded in that way. And, and even as I'm speaking right now, I'm thinking of a particular situation that I, I have to continually go back to the Lord and say, forgive them, God. Because I want to grab back that forgiveness. And this is why when, when Peter comes to, to, to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times do we forgive? Seven times? You know, he, he using the, the, the Hebrew numerology meaning perfection, seven times? And Jesus says... There you go. Come on, come on, give it up. Give it, give it up. Come on, give it up, Adam. You got it, man. He says, in other words, he's saying, you, you don't stop forgiving. Even, even when you've said, I forgive, you know, or fallen state, sometimes we go back. I forgave him, but, I, but all of a sudden it comes back up and I want to get angry at this person again. I want to, I, I want to think negative. I say, no, forgive them, Lord. Forgive them. Had a, a really, 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 you know, God is so, he's funny. He, I just love him. I just love God. He's, he's got such a sense of humor. But I'm prepping this message on the Lord's Prayer and forgiveness. And I went through some circumstances this past week where some people did me wrong. I mean, <laughs> there was one circumstance where I'm like, oh, my goodness, I was getting so angry. They did me wrong in that they did my wife and my daughter wrong. And I, you know, this was a, a company and they did some things and there was delivery guy who behaved in some ways that I, I wrote the company about it. So forgiveness doesn't mean that you say, it's okay, there's no problem. No, when, when someone has done wrong, there's a thing called justice and we should always strive for justice. That's part of Christian living also. But everything inside me wanted to just be angry at him and it's like, Lord, forgive him. I don't know what he's been through. I pray he would repent. And, and it may come back that, you know, maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day I want to go get. But I have to continue to say, no, forgive. Because I want you to forgive me, God. And you have forgiven me. If God has forgiven us, how can we withhold forgiveness from another person? And somebody here is going, that person doesn't deserve my forgiveness. And... I don't know, maybe from a human standpoint, maybe they don't. Well, did you deserve forgiveness from God? It's not a matter of what we deserve. It's who we are. God has forgiven me and cleansed me. He's made me his son. He's made you his daughter. He's, he's invited you to, to be a part of his family. And now that you are, how can you withhold forgiveness from another person? I'm pausing and talking because this is so crucial to the, to the Christian life. It, it, it hinders our prayers when we don't. And I'm telling you, in the years of ministry that I have ministered to others on this, and I've seen where people are beat down, and, and they're, they can't move forward, and they're just angry all the time, and they finally come to the place of saying, I forgive. Or oh, the burden is lifted, and joy can return. Who do you need to forgive right now? I mean, right now, this moment, in your heart saying, God, I forgive them. I'm not holding on to this anymore. I, 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 you know, that person who wronged you, in all likelihood, they're, they're, they're just on their merry way doing what they do. They're not thinking about you. And I said to, to, to my, my girls yesterday and to myself, I'm not 
it's not, we, we don't allow another person's evil to control us. I'm, I'm not going to let that steal my joy. I, I'm not going to go through the day going, oh, I'm so mad, I'm so angry. Why would I let another person steal my joy? You know what happens when we do this? When we choose to say, I'm, I, I'm not going to forgive, you start getting bitter. And then the next thing happens is that somebody just does wrong to you, and then all of a sudden you start getting bitter at that person. And that person goes, oh, and they start, and it's like a wildfire that spreads. But here's the other thing. If I take that and go, I forgive you, Lord. And I did this, by the way. I said, I'm not going to let this person control me. I went into the Home Depot, and every person I said, I said, good morning, how are you doing? I went into the Ace, how are you doing? You know? And some people, you know, initially look at but, but you know what I found? Is that when, when you start treating people like that, they start treating you back that way. Some people may not. That's their stuff. I'm not going to let another person control me. So forgive. Final thing he says. And I paused on that one for a while, right? It's crucial today. If you're withholding forgiveness, forgive. Back to verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, you know the Christian life is one where we recognize that there are spiritual forces all around us, some of which are malevolent. There is, uh, the devil is real. He's not just some medieval concept with horns and a, 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 and you know a, 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 a tail and no, the devil comes at you real pretty. You know he, he's enticing. He he comes at you saying, "No, hey, you just do what you hey." Look, God is against you. You know why would he want to limit you like this? And and he whispers sweet nothings in your ears. And he's a liar. He's a, he he is a deceiver. He, he, he wants you to think, no, do things your way. Don't, don't see God's will. God is holding you back. You know? so, so we pray, God, keep me spiritually alert. I may not understand it at all, but I trust that you are a good God, and I want to do things your way. I want to live according to your will. And so I bring my needs to you. And I anticipate you're going to work in a way that you're going to answer my prayers in a way that as I learn more and more who you are and I delight myself in the Lord, the desires of my heart will be fulfilled. And so we keep ourselves spiritually alert. How do we do that? Go full circle. Go back to starting every day saying, I'm just going to worship God. I had, you've, I know you've, most of you have heard this, this illustration of the FBI agent who was a counterfeit bill expert. And he was asked the question, how do you recognize these counterfeit bills so easily? Do, do, do you study them? He said, I don't look at any counterfeit bills. I, I know the real thing. So when I see something that's not the real thing, I know it's a counterfeit. I know the real thing. So, so you want to be spiritually alert? Get before God. See him. So anything that's outside of who he really is, you begin to understand. You begin to understand. Lord, teach us to pray. This then is how you pray. Worship me first. Seek my will. 
Bring your needs. Bring your needs. Keep your heart clean. And be alert. The enemy, your enemy, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But be encouraged because he that is in you is infinitely greater than he that is in the world. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for teaching us to pray. Lord, thank you that you just remind us to go back to the basics always. These principles, these, this model that you've given to us, these words that you've said that we can say, we're grateful to you, Lord God, that we're not doing this on our own. Your spirit makes this come alive. I pray, God, for each of my brothers and sisters right now, God, that we would learn what it means to boldly come before the throne of grace. Lord, if there's somebody here today who's seeking to understand what this means, I pray, God, they would take first steps and just say, God, I just want to know you. I'm going to start by just starting my day acknowledging that you are God. (laughs) Thank you, Holy Spirit, for making your word come alive. We pray this, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.